Jesuits of Canada and the United States, this is AMDG, and I'm Eric Clayton. Well, congratulations everyone, the end of 2020 is in sight, and it's been quite a ride. It got me thinking about the impact that the pandemic, the attacks on our democratic norms and institutions, the reckoning with racial injustice and police brutality will have on the stories we tell in 2021, on the stories we're exposed to, on how those stories will shape our culture. I reached out to Father Jim McDermott, a Jesuit priest and fellow Star Wars connoisseur, to get his take on how popular culture can both inform how we move ahead in our daily lives, while also giving us a break from all the chaos we see around us. Father Jim is a screenwriter and the Los Angeles correspondent for America Magazine. He also writes a weekly newsletter about pop culture and spirituality called Pop Culture Spirit Wow. And hey, if you're in the market for weekly newsletters, why not sign up for ours? Just go to jesuits.org weekly. Here's my conversation with Father Jim. All right, Father Jim McDermott, welcome back to AMDG. Thank you. It's great to be with you again. I know. I'm so excited. It's it's been a year since we've uh, we spoke um, cool. on on that most important topic of Star Wars, um, and and a few things have happened uh, in the last year. <laughs> we've had a global pandemic. We've had a, a somewhat eventful election, uh, reckoning on years of racial injustice and various challenges to democracy. So a few things. Um, but I really, <laughs> I, I thought of you, I wanted to talk to you as we end, uh, end 2020 and begin 2021, because I know pop culture is, is one, one of the things that you're swimming in. And I always think of pop culture, um, you know, the shows we watch, the books we read, uh, the comics we find in the, in the local bin, um, as ways that we both escape what's going on in real life, right? And as ways uh, we process and respond to real life. So I'm going to just start with an easy question. Um, what have you been watching uh, or reading during this this year of excitement? Yeah, uh, so much. I mean, I wonder, that's probably everyone's answer is that uh, unless you have kids, I don't have kids, so I have time. Everyone else is probably like, <laughs> actually, I wish I could do that, but I have to babysit all the time now um, or childcare all the time. So, you know, a lot of it has been comfort kind of food. So I've been watching a lot of old shows that I loved. So like, it started with The Wire and Parks and Rec, and then um, it has like grown. Like now, it's Fringe and uh, Babylon Five, which is an old sci-fi show that I really love. Nice. Um, halt and Catch Fire has been great, which came on Netflix sometime during this the last nine months, and suddenly it was very exciting to be able to watch that again. I really love that show. So I've been watching a lot of that. I've been watching a lot of old British detective shows. I don't know why something about anything set in Britain makes me feel better. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know why, but it's like, it's there are some of these detective shows like inspector Morris is uh, it's pretty sexist in a way. And you're aware of it. Like, wow, why are you talking to people like this or acting like this? And yet still I find something reassuring about the British settings. So, and, and I'll tell you the, the one other thing I've been doing, I mean, I've been reading and all that stuff as well, but I, a year ago, got a, a PlayStation. I turned 50 and I got a PlayStation. I'd never had a video game console since I was a kid. And I used it some during the year, but since the pandemic, it has been enormously helpful. <laughs> You're uh, just like a top score after top score, right? Just, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I just, 
it's like getting to go on vacation. I've like literally realized, oh yeah, what I'm doing here is like a lot of it is just getting to explore places because right now I don't get to explore anywhere but my room really. Um, Does it almost feel like a, like a pilgrimage? Not not to um, not to throw some um, religious imagery at you, but 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 what? Talk to me about like the stuff you've been consuming. How mm. is it helping you uh, make sense or not make sense of of what's going on and what's been going on? I mean, some. I would say it's funny. I would say that that's probably less happening in the shows that I'm consuming and more in a weird way, more in the games because it's experiential. So there is an element of like, of going on a journey and, and some of the games, like there's a game, there's been two parts of it. The second part came out since the pandemic called the last of us. Mm -hmm. And that game is a meditation on, uh, on sort of scapegoating and demonization of people that are different than us or that. And it's really pretty specifically people who, who are opposed to us in a kind of a political way and it's Hmm. the second game it's a it's a it's very shocking kind of the storyline that they present and you kind of start in one place where you want to you want to find and destroy somebody and by the end you're begging the game not to let you do that and it's sort of forcing you to do that and i mean for this moment especially in, in light of sort of the political conflicts and social uh, social conflicts that have come to the surface again, like it's, I have found that enormously valuable and really challenging. Um, and and just to say one further word about that, I think what it is, like I can look at what's happening in sort of the black and native lives matter movements, for instance, and say, I'm completely on board with their program. But then I play a game like this and I realize it's not that I'm not on board with the, with racial justice, but that it's easy to say, you're on the right side uh, when, when you're not, uh, when it's really not you that's being sort of harmed. But then to put myself in this game where I'm being confronted with my own biases more, more, much more obviously, it just makes me more uh, suspicious of my own um, goodness in a way, or my mm. own sense that I'm one of the good guys, uh, which is, I think that has been a, a big value for me. Yeah, no, I, I think that's that's a great point. I think I am constantly I, f- I feel like as like a second grader, you know, when I looked at like the scriptural stories, I was always like, yeah, of course, I'd be there with Jesus. No big deal. Like, what are these fools just like letting them go? Um, but but now as we really see Jesus like, you know, crucified again and again on our streets and uh, it, it, it is a lot harder. I, I wonder, uh, you know, when you talk about video games, for example, um, I, too, have a PS4. I only have Star Wars games. Um, and I'm reminded again and again how bad I am at video games. Um, <laughs> but I wonder, is there a degree of, of control? Like you're in a controlled environment. You are controlling uh, what's happening uh, or not like me. I'm just like failing. And that's probably why I turn it off. Um but do you think there's something there that is helpful or uh, just during this, this season of our lives where there's like no one has control over anything? Yeah. I mean, I think that there's, there's definitely an element of that, of uh, it's sort of contained. Uh, and yeah, I mean, some games are sort of open world where there's a lot more opportunity to explore and more different kinds of things that can happen. But a lot of games aren't. Uh, and either way, yes, I think that, I think that's an upside and it may be potentially a downside. Although in this moment, there's just so much that's chaotic that it's probably a lot more an upside than a downside. It's nice to have something that's 
and I think that's the re- that's the that's some of the value of old TV too is that it's <laughs> it's reassuring. It's um, you already know that it will help you in a way, um, so that it's yeah, and not that I've, I mean I've watched plenty of new stuff for me too, but I, I it's the old stuff that I's kind of like. I seem to be holding on to. There's something uh, helpful in knowing how the story ends, right? Whereas we don't, you know, currently. Yeah. Mm. Well, um, do you think so? I, I've had a lot of conversations with folks about like, you know, pop culture and, and cultural artifacts and things and whether or not they've prepared us for the challenges of this moment. And I think, you know, it's just a couple of specific examples. Like I love Brooklyn Nine-Nine, um, but I also... Mm you know, now wonder, I think the show itself is wondering aloud, you know, is, you know, this depiction of, of the relationships, um, helpful in this moment. Um, I love the West wing. We've been watching the West wing again and again. Um, Mm. but is that helpful, uh, in this moment? Do you even some of the dystopian stuff, you know, we're so used to watching people just run at the dystopian issues, you know, the plagues, the, the, you know, um, and take action. Whereas our actual experience is just sitting and, and doing nothing. Do you, what reflections do you have on kind of the state of our of our pop culture, if you will, um, and, and has it prepared us or has it done us a disservice as we've entered this this crazy year? Yeah, that's a great question. I think it's probably both and. Uh, it's funny that I, the the first thing that comes to mind is the dystopian stuff, which is mostly so much worse than this. But I wonder a little bit if the fact that there's been so much of it and that we consume so much of it if it hasn't prepared us in the sense of like that we're not, we're kind of like, we're kind of weirdly ready for something crazy to happen. Um, so, I mean, there, there were like runs on toilet paper, which is, is amazing and not at all what you'd see in a dystopian thing. And it, it, it sort of expresses the kind of, uh, the kind of underlying panic. But on the other hand, I wonder if, I, I just wonder if to some extent, it reassured us that like, oh yeah, a dystopia is definitely happening. So just be ready. So that in a weird way, we weren't so, we were able to slide into this mode. I don't know though. I mean, that's just a, just a very kind of off the cuff armchair psychologist hypothesis. Um, I definitely think when it comes to institutions and let's say the police is as a main one, but I don't think it's the only one that our shows are some, there are shows that have tried to, to make the case of the, the deep problems in law enforcement, like the shield or to mm-hmm. some extent, the wire. Um, but there are an awful lot. I mean, just like being a writer myself, I can say you're always looking for a character that's can be heroic and is involved in a lot of different kinds of conflicts. And a cop is, is so easy like police shows are the easiest shows I think to conceive of um, or detective shows like they write themselves. So I don't think it's like, I don't think Hollywood or, or whoever had an agenda, like let's we're, we're pro sort of police in every form, but it's just sort of a very natural kind of story, like families and cop shows, like they're right, right there. They're just sitting right there. But I, it certainly is clear. I'm really excited about the new season of Brooklyn nine, nine, because, you know, Mike, it's not Mike Sure, it's uh, Dan Gore, right? He, I think he's the creator. Um, mm-hmm. But so. it, it's part mm-hmm. of like that Shoreverse, which is also The Good Place, Parks and Rec, these kinds of shows. A lot, that, of, a lot of classics. Yeah. And they're shows that 
they have a deep um a deep care for humanity at their base and 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 Dan Gore and this the cast has been very clear about we're concerned about our show in light of what we're seeing and so i think that if any show is going to find a way any sitcom anyway to find to talk about these issues in a thoughtful manner and in a humane manner it, it's going to be somebody like them um but i just want to also say like i mean so here's the typical analogy and it's an analogy that's used with priests as well there's just a couple bad apples but the institution is it's not the group it's the it's the few I don't think that's accurate at all. I think the problem is the institution and that it becomes very hard to stay good within it. And I, that's mm. the kind of show I think that we need. If we're going to, if there's, if a show is going to be about police and at this point it probably should be a much broader kind of a show than that, like the wire I think did very well, that it needs to understand that it is not a few bad apples. And I say that the re it's important that I say again, like I say that as a priest. And so our institution suffers the same thing. And what I'm saying is not that the institution is like, like dark and corrupt and all this kind of stuff, but there is rot in the wood and it affects everyone in it. Um, it affects people, even though they don't see it in the way that what they think it's okay to share and what they overlook. And mm. uh, I don't know that shows have figured out yet, other than a show like The Wire, how to crack that. But that is, that is the story I think to be told. Yeah, and it and it opens up that you're saying like you want you want a hero, and it almost seems like it gives the the, the heroes in that story a new challenge. It, it I would I would hope you're right. I hope that the answer is to to delve deeper into um, the the stories that need to be told in this space rather than oh we can't tell or explore stories. I want to circle back to one thing you said, though. You, I think you used the expression, you know, we kind of just kind of slid into the pandemic um, because we were so accustomed to dystopian uh, literature and, and shows. And certainly we were, my wife and I were watching The Handmaid's Tale right up um, for probably much longer than we should have been. Um, uh, I'm a fan. And, I'm, I, I'm down for The Handmaid's Tale as long as they want to go. But, I, but no, I, me too. Honest, honestly, we were, we were, my, my wife was several months pregnant and we were like, we probably should take a break from this. For a few <laughs> <laughs> but um, it was a great, we're going to circle back. But anyway, but, um, but I wonder though, was it, was it good that we slid into, you know, real life dystopia or, or, or I almost, you know, I almost want like a, uh, the door slams and a new one opens kind of thing. What's, what's your sense of, of that? Uh, it's funny for me, the, the alternative of sliding in is like social unrest. And, mm. uh, in this, in the current, like maybe in certain other, like if our government was different, maybe I would, I could have seen a place for that or in certain States, like California, I think is more capable of handling that or ha at times anyway, but hmm. under this government, like absolutely not. I think, uh, they're just too, in, they're just too unpredictable and uninterested in justice to like, to want something more dramatic. Hmm. I don't know. That's, I think that's my thought. Yeah. Yeah. No, it'd be interesting. It's just funny. I just the idea of being um, it's kind of the, the image of the of the was it the toad in the hot water that's slowly, you know, boiling alive because we're not because it is a slow slide into 
you know, just 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 dystopian scenarios where a year ago you would have said, oh, that's great. That's great fiction or maybe even trite fiction. Um, I think that toad in the the hot water for me, that's more that's more in play now where Mm. uh, I mean, we're definitely in hot water and people are still like, I kind of like it, though. You know, is this is this really a problem? I don't I don't socialize with that many people like, no, don't socialize with anyone right now. The water's right. super, super hot, and it could get worse. And and yet there is there seems to be maybe because of how long it's been, or we had a period where it seemed to be getting better, or the holidays. But it's we definitely seem to be yeah in a in a period where people are not are still not really getting how bad things are. That's my opinion. Yeah, no, no, and I I would agree with it. Um, can I just like, can I note one other thing? Is that all of right? Course. Sorry to interrupt yeah. you. You know, just like, like, here's an example of what we shouldn't be doing anymore, I think, in terms of shows. It's kind of a cop show, but kind of not. I don't know if you saw The Undoing on HBO. It just finished. Mm, Six-episode run, great cast, Nicole Kidman, Hugh Grant, um, Donald Sutherland. And it's the story of elite private school in, uh, I think, the east side New York. Um, the, The mother of a child in the school, a Latina woman, is murdered. And uh, Nicole Kidman's husband, husband, Hugh Grant, is accused of the murder, right? And she's beaten to death. Like her head is, and they show it, her head is so badly beaten, it looks like a watermelon. You can't tell that it's a person anymore, right? So this story is told from the point of view of the white family that's been accused of the crime. And the tragedy is about them. It's not about... Uh It's not about the Latina family who lost their mother, the little boy who 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 discovered his dead mom. He doesn't need the, the the son doesn't even get to speak until the last episode. He's around all the time and they never let him talk the writers. And in the last episode he gets a couple sentences on the stand. And to me it's like this is the problem there, there's a big problem of imagination there that that in the current moment, and I think HBO has done a lot of great shows lately, so I'm not speaking to their overall development strategy, but like a show like that thinks that the issue is the white people who are being <laughs> accused of the crime. Like that is crazy. That is not what that that is not what the world needs. And that's just insane that they completely missed the real tragedy. But I feel like there's a lot of pop culture that's like that, that sort of presents people of color or people that are different as kind of the objects, but not the subjects of the story. And that's crazy. Yeah, almost it's like the plot device, you know, here to move the plot along. But but really, let's circle back to the important thing. What That's a, that's a great point. And I wonder if there's other things that you can kind of give listeners to think about when like what stories shouldn't be told anymore or don't need more telling or or, or what are just a few like easy things that we can be um, watching for that that might be uh, you know, things be, Oh, this, this isn't, this isn't right. We need to, you know, raise the alarm. I mean, yeah, I just think, I think, uh, I mean, I, you know, the big little lies, which is in a feel in a way, this feels like a spinoff of big little lies, another HBO show, which I really like by the way. Um, but, but it's about a group of white women and their families in like, uh, affluent white women and their families in Northern California. Like I love that show, but I don't think we need a cottage industry of shows about about affluent white families right now <laughs> i feel like there's there's a lot out there and they're pretty good some of them big little lies is a great show um it's funny like 
I don't know if I have like examples of what we shouldn't do as much as like, in a way it's like, don't be afraid to to make mistakes. Like I'll tell you the uh, little fires everywhere, which is a show that was on Hulu. And in a way is again, this it's a, it's a Renee uh, Reese Witherspoon and Kerry Washington. It's set in Ohio, Shaker Heights, Ohio. And to some extent it's like the conflict between that sort of affluent, uh, a white family and sort of a, a more African-American and not just African-American, but people of color, their experiences brought into conflict. And at times it is, it is uncomfortable. Like the storytelling, it feels like, Oh God, we can do better <laughs> than this. But you know what? As I, I watched the whole thing anyway, and there are a lot of times where I thought it's really confronting and it raises lots of assumptions I think on every side that are made that are often not spoken about. I don't, I wouldn't say it's the best written show, but on the other hand, I don't know of a show like it that, that so often raised, made me uncomfortable for the things it was making me face. So like in a way, in a way, this is maybe more note to my own, my own industry than to like, to, to audience, but, but maybe it's not like, I think it's really good for us to watch some shows that initially we think, I don't need to watch that. So like, you know, because often those sorts of discomforts speak to the things that we're more uncomfortable with in general. Um, yeah. And that can be about race. It can be about gender. It can be about orientation. It can be about class. Um, what part of the country, what part of the country the show is, is sort of representing. But um, I, as we talk, maybe I'll think of other tropes. That. Yeah, no, I, I, that's a great challenge though, to think about things that make you uncomfortable. I, I can think of some shows and things that I, I've watched that have probably made me uncomfortable in ways that were challenging and good and just things that made me uncomfortable because I was like, this is a weird show. I don't want to watch this. <laughs> but um, well, let's let's flip the question then and, and talk about, um, you know, what stories, this is probably obvious, but but um, what stories uh, do we need to be telling and lifting up and, and hearing? And probably more importantly, um, what have we lacked? What, what have we missed out on uh, as a result of those stories going untold? Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, that's, I think of tons of stories that are like examples of what I want more of. So for instance, uh, so in terms of the African-American experience, which I think there are a, a lot of stories, but there are so many different varieties, more and different varieties of the African-American experience. So for instance, on HBO, they did a show that came out of the UK called I May Destroy You about an, uh, a, a British a black woman and sort of her group of friends, which was a, both about, it's about being a certain age. It's about being a person of color. Some of it is about some of the characters are queer and like, it's very hard to categorize as a show. But it was so interesting. You know, that's like, for me, in a way, like one way of thinking about what we need is shows that are about other worlds that are not about the familiar mm-hmm. worlds. And to that, uh, we need shows that were the, the, the executives trust that a different world is something that people will be interested in. Um, in Australia, I watch a lot of Australian TV when I can find it. They've had the ABC is sort of their national network. It's sort of like their BBC. They don't produce a lot of original shows, but they seem to be investing right now a lot in abor- shows around Aboriginal people. So <laughs> Mystery Road is this detective show they've done, and the, and the detective is an Aboriginal man. Or there's a political show called Total Control, where the uh, the lead is an Aboriginal woman who enters Parliament, and what it, it's both great, 
and interesting because the main characters are people of color, but also they're sort of like they're sort of sneak attacks in that because of that, they end up bringing in all kinds of other different kinds of Aboriginal characters and stories as well. So it, it's they're brilliant like that, and I I feel like I want more shows like that where it's um, it's the experiences of people of color or people that are different, but it's varieties of experience as well. Um, I'll tell you another thing, like just because I feel like I always got to bang this drum. I used to work on an Indian reservation. It's a long time ago, but I never see stories about native people. Not ever, you know, Grey's Anatomy, which I think is, I still think is a really great show. It's been on for 400 years, but it is, it is a great (laughs) show. It was the first show on television, right? Yeah, it was was the first show on television (laughs) and they have guaranteed that they will be here until the end. The Um, end of television. Always with Meredith Grey. And they have been great at hiring every kind of person except native people. There are never, as far as I know, there's never been a native character. Like our country is, there are so many different kinds of native communities and characters too. And we don't tell their stories at all. We don't let their stories get told. And it drives me, it drives me nuts. Because having worked there, I know there are so many interesting stories there and, uh, yeah. So shows like just to rattle off some other shows, uh, Mrs. America, which was a show about um, the equal rights movement on Hulu or Steven Universe, which is about it's about kids, but it's also kind of about different varieties of being queer, uh, unorthodox, about a, a Hasidic Jewish woman and sort of her uh, escape from that. Like these kinds of communities that don't get represented or are usually represented by straight white people. Like Mm. um, it's just really exciting. I think when those kinds of stories get told. And the, and the more stories that are told, the less pressure on each story to be entirely representative of an entire group of people, right? That then the show can show one perspective and, and you've seen one perspective and then you can see more shows that show more perspectives, I imagine. Right. So it's, it's not just a matter of here's the one show we did it, but um, you know, how, like, how can we get more and more and more? Right. I imagine. Yeah, I think that's absolutely right. And I think the genius some of some of what we're seeing now in sort of, uh, shows that are created by people of color is they understand that the, the, the normal impulse of Hollywood is to just want one thing. And so they, they give you the one thing, like the, uh, the character that's one way, but then they build around it a lot of different kinds of characters, which sort of just pushes things open even further for different kinds of stories. Yeah, absolutely. I know you read scripts and you have obviously a foot in the, in that, that the media world of cultural world. Um, what themes and ideas and concerns of, and, and other things have you been seeing and hearing and reading over these past few months? You know, what's, what's top of people's mind uh, in their storytelling? And then I wonder if, um, you know, as a, as a Jesuit, if you're able to find kind of, you know, where is, where's the workings of the spirit in all of that? Where is God kind of inviting us or, or, or maybe sounding the alarm? Yeah. Uh, what, I've certainly been a part of conversations where people are saying, what kind of script should we be trying to sell or what should we be trying to write? And I'd say, um, you know, that the, the clearest indication is like, don't try to write stuff about the pandemic right now. Um, both because it's still going on and it, so it, so it freaks people out. And also because it's still going on, we don't really have perspective on it yet. And just from a marketability standpoint, it's just not clear what, 
I don't think the audience is going to want to see a lot of that. Like some shows, some of the medical shows that are on now are are actually are actively engaging it, but I would not expect that to be a main story for the near future. Uh, what I hear a lot of what people are talking about is like comedies, comedies about family, comedies about community. Um, also, from a practical standpoint, comedies that don't involve big groups, because we, until we have a, a, a successful vaccine and it's in enough of the population, there's just um, it's not practical to have shows with big groups of people. Um, but yeah, I'd expect to see a lot more hopeful kinds of shows. Um, actually, I'd, I, I expect to see two kinds of things coming out of this. Some, some, some more like shows like Brooklyn Nine-Nine in the sense of hopeful communities who sort of mm-hmm. who care about each other and are grateful to be able to be together. I expect that. And I, I, just from a political standpoint, I'd expect that sometime soon in the Biden administration, you'll see paranoid sort of X-Files kinds of shows. And that's what happened. That's happened before. Like the X-Files itself came out. It didn't come during a kind of a paranoid time. It came right after it. And I think mm-hmm. our, our government is, has been such a disaster for the last four years that I'd expect. And maybe also shows that explore the implications of, this is my hope. I'd love to see shows that are about refugees and the undocumented. And I, it feels like in this administration, we've tried to do that but we don't even know exactly what's been going on with them. And once we begin to understand more clearly just how bad it has been for them, um, which I think is so much worse than we know, uh, then I, I'd expect to see some shows like that. But um, yeah, I, I think hopefulness will be the, will win the day for, for at least a couple of years, a lot of desire to just feel good. Like I wouldn't expect it to be a Seinfeld moment. I'd expect it to be much more a Parks and Rec moment. I can always do more Parks and Rec. Um, I wonder, uh, you know, you talk about X-Files and, um, you know, I feel like there are, our country is so like ridden by conspiracy theories right now and, and people don't trust one another and people are living in different realities. I almost wonder if something like, uh, like an X-Files or like a um, Black Mirror would would reinforce that kind of at a subconscious level or would um, help people to kind of see through mistruths and, and kind of conspiratorial language into uh, common ground. I, I don't know. I mean, maybe I'm just pulling a straws here, but I just, uh, I, what's one of my biggest worries right now is, is the lack of, of same kind of reality of, of, of fact and, and truth. Yeah. I, 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 may, I might not give that, as much seriousness as I should. Uh, I mean, clearly that's a big element that like the QAnon stuff is a big thing going okay. on um, and has been for a while uh, under the surface. And now has kind of risen to the surface. Um, you know, it's funny, there's a show that's on CBS all access called the good fight, which is a spinoff of the good wife. And it's about a black um, legal firm in Chicago. And one of the ma- main characters is a, is an affluent liberal white woman, Diane, who came from the good fight. Uh, and uh, they've been really prosecuting the Trump administration the whole time. They, their show has been sort of what I would expect to have happened after the, whenever the Trump administration ends, just, just sort of asking all the right questions and examining how an insane head of government could actually lead to, lead to insanity on every level and paranoia on every level. But it, they're not so sort of like, it's less conspiracy theory than sort of an, 
an examination of the of the reality that we've been living in the political realities and so you know maybe it doesn't end up that it's maybe a conspiracy show like the x-files is too close to reality for the next few years maybe it's something more a heightened version of like interrogating and 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 uh making fun of the administration that we've had for the last i don't i don't know if that would be better or worse I always wonder, is there a show in kind of like looking ahead, um, but also looking looking back, can you think of a show in, in or, or maybe a book or just some sort of, of, of cultural thing that is that has kind of helped people come together, reconcile, heal? Obviously, we don't want to just, um, you know, have unity for the sake of unity and everybody. All the problems are still there. But, you know, is there some sort of a conversational piece that would allow people to begin to have those kind of important um, conversations and take those necessary actions, you know, to, to fix, make things right. Um, you know, have we seen that in the past uh, or is there something that you could predict in the future? Um, you know, cause then you're kind of rallying around a, a an object that's kind of more out there rather than having to start the conversation on maybe things that could be very hard. Yeah. That's a great, I don't know if that question makes sense. That does make sense. I think that's a big, big hopeful question in the sense that could pop culture sort of help um, help not just individuals, but big groups of people to have important conversations. Uh, I certainly think that's possible. I think it happens more often on an individual basis, but on the other hand, like I don't know how many people watched the watched Watchmen on HBO. I don't know if it was that big a hit because it's an HBO show rather than a network. Yeah. But on the other hand, the, the pilot episode, it presented that uh, the, the Tulsa, is it Tulsa, the Tulsa massacre, which I don't think had ever been presented or been talked about uh, in, in sort of the mainstream. And definitely that filtered in, you know, definitely that became a bigger part of the social conversation. So I, and that wasn't what the show was about. It was just the jumping off point. Although obviously it, it isn't part about that, but, um, <laughs> but still, so I definitely think it's possible for that to happen. I think, I just think that more, more often what happens is that I think it's hard to know how to hit the social, hit the thing that hit that affects, uh, that's like more broadly, uh, socially engaging. I don't, I think, I think that's pretty unpredictable. Um, in a way, in a weird way, I think the last of us part two is an, is an example of doing that is, and it probably has impacted a lot of people, although maybe only of a certain age. I don't know, but but individually, not like I I don't see the New York Times writing about The Last of Us Two on its front page, right, or even on the front right. page of the art section. But I think anybody that's played that game, you're confronted with some pretty important and interesting stuff. I would I would just hate to see I think um, you know two different tracks of of shows and two different tracks of books and two different tracks of things that kind of continue to entrench the various the various sides. Um, but I might have to go play The Last of Us now after our conversation. I don't know if I don't know if uh, I think that I don't. I mean I'm sure this is my blind spot. I'm sure that it is in part, but I, I don't know that pop culture necessarily reinforces us's and them's. I actually think good pop culture, not that there's not a lot of bad of it too, but I think it generally, it draws you out of yourself. I think the stuff that doesn't draw you out of yourself in some way, it, um, it's usually not well liked because it just feels, people would say it's boring or it feels flat or something. So I think 
you can count on the news and uh, and news organs to be part of what can entrench. But I'm, I, yeah, I have a st- I have a horse in this race, but I I tend to think pop culture by its nature, I think it can entrench prejudice for sure, for sure. And if you look like if I watch shows from the '80s now, the way that women are talked about and treated is just shocking. Um, but even like the early 2000s, I think some things have not aged particularly well. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So the, so the capacity for that is there, although generally it's, it's in the form of a blind spot rather than an angle. Um, right. I think of, I think about Veep, right. You, um, and how Veep, you never knew, they never said which party affiliation, right. Anyone was a part of. And I, and, and, and you always, at least I remember reading, uh, stories about how, you know, people of all political stripes would come up and be like, Oh my gosh, like can't you do such a good job of making fun of the other side. And and they say, well, how do you know? Right. Isn't that, I think that's the yeah. story. Right. Um, so I think that's, that's a good, like you cannot, you know, at least it's a, it's a, it's a common conversation piece, you know, a common starting point. Mm-hmm. Maybe. I don't know. I, I, I see your eyes. You, you seem to be, you're thinking. Well, I'm just thinking, you, I, I, I mean, I, I guess I, I haven't thought of this before, but I, I guess I just have a pretty, Pop culture has been has helped me a lot in my own life to understand things and to challenge me. And so I, well, I think this is a very Obama thing to say, which means I think both earnest and also maybe naive. I don't know, but I I do feel I have, I feel like politically that we are not as sort of night and day or living in two worlds as we currently think we are when it comes to issues of race. And sometimes gender and orientation, I think there is much more to scrutinize. But in terms of, I think that I think that things are magnified right now because of the insanity of what we've had the last four years. But I think it wasn't like that for the eight previous. Not that there weren't conflicts and some pretty big conflicts, and that you could say, well, that's what erupted in 2016. Fine, but you know, like. If we were all so divided, I don't think we we could all watch, say, The Mandalorian or uh, or any or like The Lord of the Rings, which is coming from Amazon at some point, you know, and 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 like enjoy it together. Marvel movies, like those sorts of stories, tell me that there's something. There's a lot that's still all the same. It's it's just, I think, yeah, I don't know, I don't know. Yeah, no, I I um I hope you're right. I I like I like your maybe I'm just I'm just too. Uh, too stuck in that. I don't know. Um, well, let's, you mentioned the Mandalorian. So let's, uh, mm-hmm. let's bring our conversation in for a landing and, uh, you let me know, tell me, what do you, I'm not sure this will probably come out maybe after the season has ended, but at this juncture, we've had five episodes and without giving any spoilers away, um, what have you, what have you been thinking? What are your, uh, so, okay. No spoilers. So we won't talk about maybe, maybe minor spoilers, or you can just like kind of give a nod and a wink and, so the folks listening, so maybe know. characters that have been referenced. I'll just be careful about that. Okay. All right. That's interesting. That's a fun challenge. Uh, the, I don't really know where this season's going to go. I mean, it's, <clears throat> I've enjoyed it just like the first season. I'll say, um, I think what's brilliant about the Mandalorian is that it's stream. It's storytelling is super streamlined. So it's, it's not trying to, to, to like write a book every episode. It's trying to give you like a little Western, every episode and different kinds of the Western story. And I like it for that. I'm a little, I feel like this is their empire strikes back season. So I expect the second season to end in a pretty bad way. Um, although I'm not sure if that's the case, that's just a guess. 
I find this season a little more challenging in the sense that you know what I feel? I feel like you can hear around the edges of the creative room people saying, hey, could you put this in? Because we have this idea that we might spin this thing off. And so like there have been episodes, like the first episode I'd say, where I felt like I don't think, I don't know why all this is here. And it feels like it's getting in the way of that streamlined storytelling a little bit. Um, yeah. Like even there's a guest star in that first episode who's not a Star Wars guest star. So I'm not spoiling like, who is it? But there's someone in it that it's like, okay, I can see why this actor would be brought into this world, but also enough already. Like, uh, yeah. So I'm a little nervous. I'm a little nervous whether they can hit the landing in the second season the same way they did in the first. But I will say episodes like the most recent one are so damn good and, and bring in some elements that I didn't know how they could possibly bring in well and did it just over, I mean, just nailed it. Just the best. So, but I think they're, they're in it. They're really, without spoiling it, they've entered into really unusual territory now, which feels like, it feels more like the movies in a way than the show in terms of the questions that they're beginning to ask or where they have to go. And I don't know how this show will handle some of that stuff. So like, it would be safe to say because Baby Yoda does this, that the force becomes an issue in this show, right? And the, the questions that they're starting to ask around that don't really feel to me like Mandalorian questions, which I think is exciting, but I'm also like, I don't know, is, can, they, can they land that? Can they pay that off? It's been great, though. Yeah. Yeah, it's been fun to see them bring in. I know, I know you, I'm assuming you consume a lot of the other kind of Star Wars yeah, media yeah. books and stuff. And so it's, 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 it is cool to see the storytelling um, that is you know, bringing in all these different aspects um, and doing it more or less correctly. Um, yeah, I, I mean, uh, the, gosh, I, I don't want to spoil anything, but the way that there's a character brought in that the connections between that character and the way that they're represented in other media is so even just the way the character is shot, you know, like the visuals of the way that character moves or the images that are used are exactly from the other sort of media that they're in. It's just John Favreau, who's the showrunner and writes a lot of the episodes, Dave Filoni, who created the animated shows and is very involved in this. They are just hitting their marks on uh, a lot of this kind of stuff. I have a lot of trust in them um, as the storytellers. And that's when, so, so slower episodes, I know like, uh, I, you know, I go back and forth with like my brother, for example, but slower episodes I have trust in because I'm like, I think we're going to, this is, this is building. We're going to get somewhere. But anyway, Ooh. well, um, any, any last thoughts, any closing remarks, any groundbreaking declarations you want to, you want to make? <laughs> I just think, uh, I hope that people are, I hope people are doing well and I hope that, you know, stay hopeful. I feel like there's lots of reasons to be afraid or to despair for all kinds of different reasons, not just the pandemic. And, you know, like your hope is your own, like hold that hope, man. And if, if, if what you need to help get you through is watching 14 seasons of parks and rec, meaning you watch it all and then you watch it all again, or if it's, you know, whatever, whatever is going to help nourish your soul. And I think pop culture, there are so many different kinds of pop culture. You have lots to choose from. I just, just encourage you know, trust in that. Trust your instincts. We're going to get through this. I think that the end is a lot closer than we think. And, but we just got to be, you know, just got to hold our hope and be smart now. 
Well, Father Jim, thank you for uh, joining us again. And hopefully we'll talk to you again Thanks soon. Thanks for inviting me. Yeah, it's a pleasure. production of the Jesuit Conference of Canada and the United States and recorded at our headquarters in Washington, D.C. The show is edited by Marcus Bleach and our theme music is by Kevin Lasky. The Jesuit Conference communications team is Marcus Bleach, Mike Jordan Lasky, Megan Leapsch, Becky Sindelar, and me, Eric Clayton. Connect with the Jesuits online at Jesuits.org, on Twitter at, at @JesuitNews, on Instagram at WeAreTheJesuits, and at Facebook, facebook.com slash Jesuits. Sign up for weekly email reflections by visiting jesuits.org slash weekly. If you or someone you know might be called to discern a vocation to the Jesuits, connect with a Jesuit vocation promoter at beajesuit.org. Drop us an email with questions or comments at media at jesuits.org. You can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And as St. Ignatius of Loyola may or may not have said, go and set the world on fire.